Good evening, I'm Alpha. We can be as badass as we want. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals, our banks destroy the economy, the inability to defend on all of these fronts, be it voter suppression, and you can go down the line, you can go down the line. Good evening, I'm Alpha. This is the Alpha Show. Now, the master of common sense, take no prisoners in politics and game making. The man from Chicago who's got their numbers. This is Advanced Urban Political Talk Radio with Alpha. Here's Alpha. Well, good evening. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Show here at TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. Uh, we have um, a third player in the vaccine race, a race to a million vaccines in the first hundred days. And the Biden administration is well on their way. And uh, now I expect to see a lot of uh, anti-vaxxers showing up at the vaccine sites to stop to stop people from getting the vaccine because that's who they are. They don't give a damn about people living or dying. All they care about is winning politically. Democrats can continue to play those games of self-reliant. And that's what they are. We We take it upon ourselves to play soft as they play hardball. Be it lies, be it misinformation, give it a name. 800 people violated the law and entered the Capitol. They've only arrested 300, and of that 300, it has already been signaled by the judges that they're going to go solve one. And I guarantee you, they will be back. If each and every one of these bastards don't get the full sentence, they will be back. The investigators are basically finding out 
all kind of things, such as there were Republican elected officials who were doling out tours, and they called them reconnaissance missions. And uh, that's basically what they were. And what they were basically trying, they were taking them places that they never would have found without the day before tour. And they got them on, they got them on camera, they got them on tape. Now all you have to do is sit back and watch the two-tier justice department that we have in this country. Privileged whites, as we see that attack the Capitol against Black Lives Matter, who they are basically trying to send to prison for some years, and in some cases, double-digit years. We have to keep our eye on that type of justice. Ninety-three percent, ninety-three percent of the Black Lives Matter protests were peaceful. Ninety-three percent. They even have white folks who were not with Black Lives Matter breaking windows, spraying graffiti, basically vandalizing property. The reason they have them because they were being checked by the demonstrators themselves and they have them recorded. But... um, Let's let this play out because at some point the people who are in the right, the people who are right about all of this will basically drop their heads and say, do what you want to do with them. And instead of demanding full prosecution, prosecute them with extreme prejudice. They're going to look the other way because of white privilege. I was um, I was basically honored to listen to Dr. James Taylor last night on the special edition of Our Common Ground for the last four weeks, he's had James Taylor on, and um, only if Mr. Dr. Taylor could breathe, could come up for some air, uh, I think he would be a complete asset to the conversation. But I've heard, 
I've had people come through, and as they hear him, they ask me, why is he so angry? And I try to explain to them, you know, try to look past his anger and listen to what he's saying. But that doesn't seem to work. So here we are. But for me, there he goes. <laughs> because uh, if you're talking about somebody angry, I don't think he can get any, any more angrier than myself when it comes to talking about this. That's what we do. We talk about it. 516-666-9516. They've uh, disappeared. My board again. Uh, Let me find span the screen all the way out. There it is. Okay. 516-666-9516 is the number where I can be reached. Chip in with your comments. Let's keep them respectful. Let's keep them respectful. I've taken the time this, this evening to to really bring you some information. Did you all see the criminal DeJoy, the Postmaster General? Easy. That should have been one of the first people you fire. But I've been told that um, the three nominees for the board have to be confirmed by the Senate. And that's going to be next to impossible because you have people like Cinema, Joe Manchin, who basically will not end the filibuster. End the filibuster as soon as you can. It's not about hype. It's not about any of it. The filibuster needs to go. Christian Cinema, Joe Manchin are against getting rid of the filibuster. So we have two Democrats who will walk with the Republicans, the white supremacists, against the will of the people. And that's how it must be 
couched. That's how it must must be disseminated to the American people. Nothing will get done unless we get rid of the filibuster. Right now, this stimulus package, this COVID stimulus package, it wants to exclude, exclude the uh, $15 an hour minimum wage. And um, Nancy Pelosi in the House, they left it in and sent it to the Senate anyway. The parliamentarian has decided that it doesn't reach the I would say it doesn't reach the elevation no not elevation it doesn't reach the criteria to be used in budget reconciliation unless they get rid of some of the tax breaks that are in there for corporations. That's one way around it. The other way around it is for the um, the vice president to, to basically override the parliamentarian. It's been done in the past a couple of times. So we're about to see where all of this stands. You got two Democrats who are basically standing in the breach, standing in the doorway. I think they should have a big, a huge penalty to pay, and that penalty should be, they should be Blanche Lincoln. I don't know if you know who Blanche Lincoln is. She was the senator, Democratic blue dog senator from Arkansas. And when the Democratic Party, the progressive branch of the Democratic Party, primaried her, she barely won that primary. She eked out that primary. And then when she got to the general election, she got blown out, blown out by the Republican by more than 20 points. Why? Because Democrats said, no, you're gone. We're not going to support you. So Tom Cotton became the senator from Arkansas, and he may never be voted out. But then, too, Blanche Lincoln was not the answer. She was the she, she was the problem. So let's just see what you got. 516-666-9516. Let's see. I got a call here. 404, welcome to the Alpha Show. Hey. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Indeed. Thanks for taking the call, man. What's up, Alpha? Hey, what's going on? Uh, not much, man. This is nice down here in Atlanta. Uh, look, look, like, like getting in the... Like what you're talking about, just just 
like let's 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 take a simple way of looking at this. If I allow you to break the rules or cheat or go beyond, and I play it straight by the rules, eventually I lose. No matter what game we're talking about playing, no matter what I, I end up losing. And we're playing Monopoly, and every time I pass go, I say I'm going to play by the rules. I'll take two hundred, and you take four hundred every time just because nobody's stopping you from doing it, eventually you win the game. So when we're looking at this situation now where we say these people are, are, are trying to hem and hawing about the filibuster and everything else, if the opposition was in power, they would do it. Why? Because that would be their next move towards getting what they want. So the fact that the Dems still don't understand this, like I, I don't know what to say about it at this point, man. It's like, this is not the everyday politics of yesteryear where the bipartisan consensus sat back and had cognacs together and discussed the bill and decided what they were going to do. One side has declared war and are willing to do anything to stay in power or to get their agenda passed and to block yours. And if you think you can extend an olive branch to those people, you're insane. And I, you know, and I know that's what you're getting at, you know, and laying this out. But just to watch this is incredible, man. And 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 like when we talk about the the minimum wage issue, like you get these people who took an econ class in college 20 years ago and barely remember anything, and have somehow decided that yeah, you get minimum wage, that means people are gonna go out of business. And it's like dude, the profit margins have never been that thin to where minimum wage would push you to the point of being destitute and can't operate your business. Not to mention a bill that says a minimum wage has to be instituted within a five-year, excuse me, a five-year window means not only do you have time to get ready for it, but you're actually dealing with uh, tying wages to the, to the real cost of inflation. Uh, You go to Seattle where they put in that $16 an hour minimum wage. Did all of Seattle go out of business? Did hamburgers start costing $20? No, it's still the same, same as you get anywhere else. Nothing fundamentally changed except the amount of uh, living wage that those workers were able to get, which actually is beneficial to the rest of the working class because once the minimum wage is there at the floor, it actually increases the amount of wages that people in other industries get. But we have so much of America that is filled with middle management, and, uh, you know, barely above what we would call the middle class 30 years ago, those people's wages are essentially being able to look down their nose at what they would call low-skilled workers who don't earn as much as them. And without that satisfaction, they actually have nothing. So they're not willing to fight for better wages, better working conditions, or anything else. They've kind of lost the, 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 the strength to do that. But they'll participate in piling on with the ruling class who just got the tax break in the Trump years, they'll pile on with them against the the minimum wage working class. Like, I mean, you couldn't explain this to somebody and have them believe it if they didn't see it in real time. But that's what we're watching right here. It's like the minimum wage is for everybody. <laughs> it helps You're them right. and it helps you. And raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour will pull 27 million people up out of poverty. 
it will lower right. the amount of food stamps that you have to send out because people will not will no longer be eligible. Thirty one thousand mm-hmm. a year. Thirty one thousand a year is livable. But not for a family of four or five. <laughs> no. So no. It, it 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 gets to a point where it's beyond ludicrous. It's beyond right. And, yeah, and the writing engages in voodoo economics whenever we start talking about poverty anyway. Because when you look at what right. they say for a, poverty, uh, a family of four, we're already talking about numbers that aren't tied to inflation. So, therefore, that whole poverty line, you could actually draw that line a, a couple scales further, and then you'd see actual poverty in America. But the lines are skewed because of how they draw that number. Which is why if you go to one of these food banks or, you know, anywhere else that, that, that's, you know, helping people in, in this time of need, you'll see that the demand is so high because you've got people working 40 hours a week but are still destitute but not considered below the poverty line. Well, at some point, you know, I'm so tired of people – who take a hard line to these topics being called the far left. They're always being labeled the far left radical. And that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's just not it. They're, they're the far left when the majority, first of all, the majority, over 70% of the American people want this stimulus package. Over 60% mm-hmm. of Republicans want the stimulus package. And instead of running or trying to govern with what Republicans are telling you, go with the polls. Go with the polls, and that's how you govern. And make sure that, that the people know who's standing in the way, who is voting against <laughs> right. Right, right. And the funny thing is, polling becomes the thing to use when you want to institute some some process that big donors agree with. And then polling gets ignored when it becomes a policy that they don't agree with. So you see in, in situations like this, they relate to, you know, homespun analogies, uh, Horatio Alger, <laughs> Alger uh, mythology, you know, all kinds of just silly stuff as opposed to dealing with what people would actually want. And and a, a good part of this is, you know, the indoctrination of the American mind. Like when you say the far left has become, you know, the, the great weapon that the right uses, kind of wields that stick. You look at American politics, this is center-right politics, and it's been that way for a long time, Dem, you know, Democrats included. If you actually talk about far left stuff, the stuff, you know, you and, and Janice, and some of y'all guests talk about that would scare the hell out of these people because that would actually be policies towards the people as opposed to corporations and the wealthy. But they present normal centrist policy, uh, things that Europe has been doing for 20 years as if it's some pie in the sky, you know, crazy stuff. Like what we saw the other day, $1.7 trillion spent on the F-35. Looks like that, that, that particular jet is going to be a failure. 
And they just, you know, they just throw their hands up. Well, I guess that didn't work. $1.7 trillion invested into this machine that is not going to be rolled out. Meanwhile, that could have been college debt forgiveness. That could have been uh, some type of federal housing uh, idea. Like, there's so many things that could have been done with that money as opposed to just dumping it into the military-industrial complex where all of a sudden – it doesn't matter how much you spend because that's the DOD, so nobody says anything. But anything that will actually improve citizens' lives, uh, we, we need to have the Congressional Budget Office run it through a couple of times. Uh, we need the means tested. Like, all of this nonsense, man. Well, <laughs> you're right, but comparing – the failures. The F-35 has been failing for 10 years. <laughs> and they just keep putting money in it, putting money in it. And as it turns out, all of that money could have solved our problems. Right. Medicare for all, all of it. Mm-hmm. But no one no yep. one will point that out. <laughs> right. It is, it is truly a sad day. <laughs> Yes, indeed, man. But, hey, more people are learning, more people are kind of waking up to these things and are addressing them in ways that we never did when we were younger. So, you know, that's a beautiful thing. But ultimately, and I'm going to leave on this because I know you got a show to do, but ultimately it comes down to this. Globalization is not going anywhere. It's not going back in the bag. All of you people who are paranoid YouTubers who think the globalists are the biggest problem in the world, Globalization is actually just the, the logical outcome of open markets and a world where travel uh, is beyond anything we could think of, you know, decades ago. Like, that's going to be there. Now, because of that, if you're a country who has a more meritocratic system and the best of the best are going to rise to the top, those are going to be the countries that create the next technological uh, innovations, the next climate change innovations, and are going to uh, be the ones who lead the next world. But if you're a country who has decided that whiteness is a category uh, within itself and you advance mediocrity as opposed to having a, a meritocratic way of delivering jobs, uh, of, of dealing with tech, of dealing with research and development, and you use your ideology as blinders to block you from advancing, guess what? You're the nation that's in decline. We're, we are watching ourselves become – uh, the British Empire of before in real time. And, and the amazing thing is how arrogant we are about this whole process, where, you know, we, we see the Cold War drums being beaten again against China, well, beat for China like they were for the USSR, and people just take it in, never even think about it. They just know they don't like China, and China is bad. And we just go through this process, sleepwalking. So it, this is this this is something, man. It, it's definitely going to be something that's written about in the future, and and the question will be, why didn't the Americans see this coming? Well, my that's the same thing can be said about the renewable energy, wind wind mm-hmm. turbines and and uh, solar panels. Why couldn't people understand that this is the only way to go? Right. right. You can't get off fossil fuels 
you know, right away, just like that. But you have Republicans who are saying they're trying to take away, give it a name. They're trying to take it away if they go to renewables. <laughs> right. Right. And, and if they were honest with their constituents, they would say, look, there's a lot of red states where people uh, make their living off of carbon being pulled out of the earth or carbon being transported to other places or refined in other places. So they should be the ones who are innovating and saying, okay, how do we find ways outside of this in order to make sure that we're ready for what happens in the next decade, next, you know, next century. But instead, they're saying, hey, we're going to dig our heels in and we're just going to halt progress. And things will remain the same. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an insane belief. There was a time where steamships roamed the earth. Guess what? When oil came online, those steamships were no longer viable. And we're seeing the same thing that, that is going to happen to the idea of, of pulling carbon out of the ground. Whether it be fracking or drilling or whatever you want to say, uh, the, one, the, the nations that are still doing that, you know, going forward, and having figured out different uh, compromises and different other solutions, those are the nations that are going to be in trouble. But, but you know, Alpha, thank you for letting me on, man. I, you know, just wanted to vent a little bit, but uh appreciate you bringing up these topics. Shout out to Anytime, Dennis and everybody for the platform. <laughs> Anytime, man. Uh, I hope you're paying attention to the, uh, the Black History Month that Janice has put on on Thursday nights. With uh, Doctor oh, yeah, James Taylor, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Professor, I've been down, I've been downloading, I, so I, I've downloaded the podcast asking, and I've got to come up for air. Does, oh, yeah. he, does he ever come up for yeah. air to stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> that brother be going in, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Look, you guys and uh, the sister Karen Hunter are doing some of the best podcast work out there, and these shows aren't going to be shows that die after a month. Meaning that podcast will still be relevant two years from now. You'll learn things and pick up on things that you didn't see, and also have a different perspective on how you looked at some things in the past. So that that's one thing I, I'll definitely give you guys credit for. The Black Agenda Report, I'll give them credit for it. Uh, you're doing the work that needs to be done. Sadly, the majority of us are listening to the Breakfast Club, but I'll I'll end my rant there. <laughs> now, thank you for your call, man. Appreciate it. All right, now, take care. Brother Nas, about Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I don't understand it. I just don't understand. Why is it that people don't see that renewable energy is the answer to a lot of our pollution, to climate change, to the whole nine yards? And once it becomes absolutely, and it's all it, it, it's already identifiable, that Republicans are going to block everything. You mean to tell me not one Republican is in for stimulus package? That all Republicans are against the two thousand dollars stimulus to families that need it? <laughs> 
Are you telling me that? You know, that's the one thing I don't understand. Not only are they voting against their own interests, they're being walked down this this primrose path of ignorance and lies and conspiracy theory. And they blur the lines of truth. And places like Fox News, Newsmax, they give them the platform to poison the body politic. And therefore, they're able to stand back and question what the truth is. They're, they're able to throw shade on what the actual truth is. And that fuels ignorant people. That's why I believe that everyone that they arrest and charge in the January 6th violation of the Capitol grounds and the Capitol building should go to jail for five years or more, should do the maximum. They should do the maximum because these people are a danger. They're talking about now, well, they they couldn't come for Inauguration Day, but they're talking about now blowing up Washington on the State of the Union. So, Biden is supposed to have the National Guard, the armed guards, around every event he is to hold. Fine, fine. But at at some point, you have to extract something from these people. The people in these states who are open carry. Void their ability to carry on state grounds, on the grounds where your Capitol building is, because they won't take the two winks and a nod, and they've taken it over. I do believe that there were people in the Capitol Police who were with the riot. They've got, what, eight or nine of them on suspension and another 15 or 20 being investigated. These are the trappings. These are the beginnings of a fascist state. Democracy dodged a bullet. And democracy has to be preserved. Because they will be back. As I've always said, they will be back. My man says it. This is Olbermann versus Trump. In the presidential farewell address version of a hostage video, Donald Trump has now admitted that, quote, a new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. But as he read two minutes and 41 seconds of platitudes, 
and sounded like he was reading them for the very first time, he left the two most important words out. Amid the references to heinous attacks and the American family and every cliche except your mileage may vary and employees must wash hands, Trump said of the end of his term, quote, my focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. He did not mention Joe Biden's name, and in discussing the transfer of power, he did not use the word peaceful. This is not semantics. It renders the rest of the video meaningless and even inflammatory. The absence of Biden and peaceful will be all that is heard by the domestic terrorists, Trump all but ordered to attack the Capitol on Wednesday. They live in a world of conspiracy theories and hidden messages that makes the Da Vinci Code look like pen and teller exposing the secrets of the magicians. They will take the omission of the word peaceful as Trump's blessing to continue with their plans to come back to Washington on January 19th and 20th and try to repeat yesterday's American carnage during the inauguration. Trump is, of course, not peaceful. It's long been clear he's a sadist and enjoys violence. Rhetorically, he was knee-deep in violence as he sent his terrorists to the Capitol on Wednesday afternoon. And this underscores the true danger of the next 13 days. Trump could show all the contrition in the world and it wouldn't matter. His stormtroopers believe the attack on the Capitol was a success and a beginning. And all the posturing by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer about convincing Mike Pence to utilize the 25th Amendment, and all the Wall Street Journal editorials suggesting Trump resign now are meaningless. As long as Trump is present, his mob is triumphant, and the Biden inauguration is jeopardized. There is no choice. There are no other options. It will be necessary again for the House to impeach Trump immediately. This is Olbermann versus Trump. Donald Trump needs to take his crocodile tear words about this being the time for our nation to heal and shove them up his ass. As we get a clearer picture of the dimensions of last week's coup attempt and the follow-ups threatened for next week, as we hear not commentators, but U.S. attorneys use the term sedition and murder, it is obvious that hundreds of the idiots who listen to the Republican lies about the election will be going to prison, and that Trump Jr. and Giuliani and others may be charged by the D.C. district attorney. It is just as obvious that Trump will be impeached again with Republican votes, and in the Senate there will be Republican votes against him. Last Wednesday, Trump stepped into history as a man who did more damage to this country than Jefferson Davis, Joe McCarthy, Aaron Burr, Tokyo Rose, and Osama bin Laden ever dreamed of. Yet there, on his stunt trip to Texas, to do the only thing he's really good at, staring at a goddamned wall, Trump again threatened the nation with his followers, quote, tremendous anger, and he threatened the president-elect. Yet his hypocritical, tinny, nauseating calls for healing and unity are still being echoed by his Republican co-conspirators like the human versions of Beavis and Butthead, Congressman Jordan and Gates, by Trump campaign staffers, by those idiots out there who only heard one thing Trump said on Tuesday, quote, there is always a counter move. You want healing and unity? Get Trump on TV to tell America Biden won and there is no fraud and he has been scamming them. You want healing and unity? Get one of the lunatics like Alex Jones or Chanel Rion to announce that COVID-19 is real and masks are essential. You want healing and unity? Get Marjorie goddamn Taylor Greene to announce QAnon and Pizzagate and the whole right-wing conspiracy cult is bullshit. 
You want healing and unity? Get Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell to be the ones to introduce the legislation that utilizes the 14th Amendment and bars Trump from federal office for life. You want healing and unity? Remove the greatest threat to healing and unity in American history. Get Donald goddamn Trump out of office, and we don't give a good goddamn how you do it. I don't think uh, I don't think Brother Keith should miss any words here. You know, we're to that point. We're at that point. You get sick and tired of listening to the nonsense. They're, they are very upset that Donald Trump no longer has a Twitter feed or a Facebook account. he would be incriminating himself even more. Keith Olbermann, he still has it. He still brings it. What his politics are, they're fine by me. But when you get to a place in our society where people are listening to liars. People are literally listening to con men. You have to ask yourself, what is it going to take for a person like Joe Biden? He went through it with Obama. He saw that they would never cooperate with Obama, but yet he went through it. And what does he not understand about their positioning? Because it all comes up the same way. It's all coming back the same way. Don't sit around and act like you don't see it. Just tell me something good. And I don't care if you don't like me. All of this come together and heal this country, and this country will never be healed. It it will be divided. Divided for the next umpteen years. You will not be able to say, no one warned you. You will not be able to say, you haven't been informed. At some point, you have to give in to the ghoulish reality. You've got to fight on your hands and you got to fight it. Back in a minute. The electoral outcome that we had. Now, you got to keep in mind, I'm a political scientist. So my, my thing is politics. If you, if you don't like the idea of me talking about parties, because I know a lot of black folk are quick to say, well, the Democrats are awful. The Democrats ain't no better. What about those Democrats, especially black men? I, I, I get you, brother. I'm with you. I'm already there. But, but we're talking about politics. Now, the subject is something different, like we shouldn't be a part of the Democratic Party, then I'll talk about that. But what I'm talking about in the meantime is 
that black people have made political choices in their wisdom. And I think it's a deep wisdom. Um, again, there's not another group that even comes close to black people's intelligence when it comes to voting in, in and out of parties. Black people belonged to one party in America for 100 years when it became too racist and FDR made some gestures with the New Deal. They, t- they took them another 30 years, and by 1964, they had completely broken from their party after 100 years of, of belonging to the party of Lincoln. And then they chased the racists out. They, 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 Black history matters. You just don't want to miss the Our Common Ground 2021 Black History Special. The history of black political movements in America with Dr. James L. Taylor. Thursdays, 8 p.m. I'm Janice Graham. The history of black political movements in America. Dr. Taylor brings fire to our history. Black History Matters. This lecture series opens up the power of black political history. Yes, welcome back. 516-666-9516. Let me go to the phone. And uh, 561, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling to First Member. 561, are you there? I'm Janice Grant, the history of black political movements in America. I think um, someone listening to their computer and not to their phone. Let's go back and try it again. Maybe professionalism is good thing. 561, are you there? Alpha. Good evening. How are you? It was so nice to hear Nas. What? What are you doing? What are you doing? What do you mean what am I doing? I've been pulling your call up for two minutes, and I get a, I'm getting feedback because you're listening to the computer. I'm getting all kind of noise. You got it now? Is it okay now? It's okay now. It's okay. It was okay from the beginning. But um, it was nice to hear from Nas, and, and I appreciate the shout-out that he gave us. Uh, it's always... Um, I'm always grateful for to our listeners for their support. Um, Alpha, how you doing? 
I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, right now, I'm sitting here on five liters of oxygen. Five. I'm trying to do the show. Well, all I got to say is I'm I'm on five inches of McAllen. So <laughs> we're in good shape here tonight at the Alpha Show. Alpha. McAllen? I want your listeners to know that it's just one of the best single malt scotches you can buy in the United States of America. Well, me not being a drinker, I wouldn't know that. Oh, okay. How dare you call my show all lust up and do you remember the time Andre called my show and he was so drunk he couldn't even see out of his, through the fog? Do you remember that? And do you remember, and, and about that time I invited him again? <laughs> you don't remember that because that never happened. Um, Negroes will destroy your stuff. But anyway, um. The uh, lecture series was a four-part, and this past Thursday was the last of the lecture, and I just wanted your listening audience, so you won't get them confused, um, to know that all of the four parts, all four parts of the lecture series by Dr. James Taylor is available on demand at my website, at Our Common Ground website, ourcommonground.com, as well as Blog Talk Radio. So that being said, the House now uh, has passed the COVID rescue plan, and two Democrats voted opposed the $15 hourly figure. And I guess they, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Routers is reporting that. Uh, It just came in on an email. But I'm, I'm becoming concerned. Well, you know, I'm in a whole different place than I was four weeks ago when Black History Month 2021 began. Um. I think that although I try to do all of the reading, I've tried to do all of the studies, I was not. When I was in undergraduate school, there was no such thing as a black studies program. Um, I was the first generation of black college students that demanded take over, demanded boycotted to get some black studies classes, not a program, classes and some black professors and scholars. Um, So um, I had a lot of catching up to do. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home where my mother was a historian. Uh, Well, she was a history major. She had a master's degree in uh, U.S. history. And because she grew up in 
um, the South, most of her study uh, and scholarly work had to do with uh, blacks in the South. So I grew up in a home where there was black history everywhere, and if you ask any question, you had to listen to 20 minutes of black history and then get the answer. So um, um, these past four weeks, you know, I know I won't get a chance to talk about this much, but I, I was, you know, I was brought to tears by so much of what Doctor Doctor Taylor did this week. Can I can I talk about this on your show? It's okay. You were talking about it. I'm taking a break. Oh, okay. Um, the fact that the fact that I think we all ought to rejoice in the fact that we have individuals, and you know, um, I've had a lot of historians and Black Studies scholars and academics on our common ground over the thirty-four years. But what is intriguing about Dr. Taylor is all this stuff is falling out of his brain. It, 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 he's not reading notes. He's not reading out of a book, out of a, a journal or something. All of that, I was, in, I was so totally mesmerized and intrigued. And I guess in my area of study... I could talk for two hours. I mean, I have done it. I can do training, and and I have all of that stuff at the tip of my tongue. But here is what is different with what happened in these four weeks. Dr. Taylor has been able to show us the continuum that... Black history was built on itself. That, I mean, one of the things that I take away is, and I hope everybody does, and one of the reasons that we wanted to do this lecture series with him particularly is because he does not focus on a person and a person's accomplishments. He focuses on the context in which every person who has contributed to the liberation and freedom of black people has reflected something that happened before they made those contributions. And, you know, we can think about black history as being able to say, well, George Washington Carver did this, and Ida B. Wells did that, and Stacy uh, Adams did this, and Jesse Jackson did that, and Marion Bear did some other things, and 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 um, uh, Granville and Adolph uh, A. Randolph, um, A. Philip Randolph, and Martin Luther King did this, and Martin and Malcolm X did that, and James Baldwin did this. We could do that, 
but it does not paint the picture of our struggle. And I think over the last four weeks, what Dr. Taylor has done is taken the people, the events, and tied them together and painted a picture of how we got to uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And one of the things that struck me was his his being able to tell us um, how this, the icon, the symbol of the Black Panther Party came out of the Reconstruction period, came from Prince Hall. And I was in the Black Panther Party for five years, and I never knew that. Never knew that. Well, I was too busy feeding children and teaching them the ABCs and and how to count and trying to figure out if there were underground tunnels in the city of Boston where they were going to be able to wage war against black people at the topographical center um, and demanding that Harriet Tubman have her own park and her own monument and, and all that kind of stuff. But what he did was he painted the canvas of our struggle. And I tell you, Alpha, last night after, well, not last night, was it last night? Yeah, last night after the ending of the lecture series, I was just so overwhelmed I was really so overwhelmed, and I I found myself uh, on each of the weeks, in each of the lectures, having some emotional response and and reaction, because um, I see the history in the sense of a maze, you know what I mean? So anyway, thank you for promoting it, and I hope people, um, I would love to take most of what he did and put into an audio book. But that's only because there's a full moon alert up. But anyway, Alpha, I do want to talk about my fear about this Biden-Harris administration. You know, we never called it the Trump-Pence administration or the Obama-Biden administration um, unless it was campaigning. But now we are calling it the Biden-Harris administration, and I have a sense that Kamala Harris has become invisible. Do you agree? Alpha, you can respond. I called to talk to you, not to talk to myself. Um, that she has become invisible. She has blended in to Joe Biden to the extent that we cannot see her. Well, you know, I thought she was she was kind of laying low. 
Well, they kind of build it as she was going to um, have her own uh, projects and issues and and that she was going to be embossed, that she would have an embellished role in this administration. I just don't see it now. And, of course, how many weeks they've been in office? Three weeks. I, I really have to, you know, I'm a practical person, so I have to think about that, too. But here is my, my, my fear. My fear is that what we have right now is a Biden-Harris administration that mirrors the Obama-Biden administration in this sense, in the sense that they, you know, it's, it's almost like, you ever had a girlfriend? Well, one time I had a boyfriend, and I really liked him, but I could tell that he was uncomfortable sometimes with my, as my father used to call me, Caspicaciousness. My father used to say that I was caspicacious. You can look it up in a dictionary. He made me look it up in a dictionary. (laughs) So, um, well, he wasn't the first. You know, I, I, you know, so I felt that this boyfriend. I made him the way in which I engage in in social settings and with everybody. You know, I was the one I walk in the room and everybody, all of a sudden, I'm the center of attention, blah, 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 blah. And I thought that it made him uncomfortable. So I tried to change that and not be the center of attention and not have my glow light up the whole room when I walked in. And and that's how I feel. That's how I, I always felt that Obama was doing with all of this discussion about bipartisanship. There was no fucking bipartisanship. There hasn't been any bipartisanship since since John F. Kennedy. So anyway... And it really struck me some more over this Khashoggi, uh, Khashoggi uh, response that Biden has had. He talked to the king, and the king said, man, this is my son. You better get the hell out of here with that bullshit because I'm not hearing it. And Joe Biden did the moonwalk. So uh, I'm starting to feel that. That a parliamentarian, a parliamentarian is no more than than an an analyst. She had an opinion. That was her opinion. So we're going to hold up a stimulus package that has been promised as the total campaign foundation of the promises. And the $15 minimum wage which doesn't even promise that a family of three will be out of poverty for a GS-12 who decides that it's not a good idea and it's not a good fit. 
Alpha, explain it to me, please. No, yeah. don't try to explain it to me because I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this. The vice president can just overrule the parliamentarian, but that still don't give you but 48 votes because Manchin will not vote for it and Cinema will not vote for it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing on Manchin. Jamie Harrison needs to call his ass up and tell him not a dime, not a dime of Democratic DNC money will you get. Not ever, not never. And in addition, we have four candidates, four, And in addition, you will never get any help about anything from any Democratic Party official, ever, never. That's all they got to do. Well. What do you call that, pulling somebody's chain? Well, then they change whatever the hell it is. Uh, I mean, seventy-three, 73% of, of Manchin's constituents will receive the $1,400 or $1,600 or whatever the hell it is. What is it, Alpha? So I won't be wrong. 1400 It's $1,400. They gave us 600 $1,400. Okay. So you know that if if 73% of his constituents, let's just do the math, do the math, if, if, if 73% will receive a stimulus check, then at least 50% will benefit from $15 an hour. What they need to do is they need to hire 200 workers campaign workers to go into West Virginia and talk to every um, registered uh, Democrat, have meetings with the black people, you know, because there's black people. I've been up in black. I I got an award from some, some NAACP in West Virginia for some work that I did once uh, I, in, in, in West Virginia. I don't know what it was. I can't remember right now. So, they have got to declare war on people who are not going to be in, get in line. The other is that they have got to do something about Marjorie Green, Lauren Bolbert, Josh Hawley, and, and, and what's his name, the, the 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 movie star man is taking care of Jim Jordan because he's doing a movie about well, Alex Ball, Alex Ball. the the players in what's his name Alex Baldwin 
Alec Baldwin. No, it's not Alec Baldwin. It's somebody else. Another guy. I, I mean, I don't know a lot of movie star people, but I do know Alec Baldwin, and I know the the other man that played Malcolm X. Okay. So, um, you know, they have got to declare war. They have got – if they don't start delivering for – the people who brought them to the dance and do it now because people are paying attention. People are paying attention. You know, it's like, you know, like Alpha. You take a girl to the to a dance, and and you got ten left feet. That girl not going back to the dance with you. I never took a girl to the dance. You always knew there were plenty of them there. <laughs> See, that's just because, you know, because you were living your best life. But anyway, so people are forming their opinions right now about this Democratic, New Democratic, Blue Democratic, whatever. And people are not going to expend their political energy for lackluster. And that's what they're starting to be. Lackluster. Nina Tandem, whatever her name is. I only know her credentials. I can't remember her name. She's a nominee for the chair of the OMB. Do you know who was the last OMB director? Not off the top of my head. The Trumper guy, he was in the White House. He was in the White House, and then when Trump got re- got ready to get rid of the director of OMB so they could shut it down, they sent him from the White House, and I can't think of his name right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of his name, and my brain is – I didn't call you for the for – the, um, 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 the the guy that I knew over at the OMB was Russ Vault, but uh, and you I know you know this guy. Um, uh, oh my God! Well, first of all, you know Rob Portman was a director. Right. Of OMB, and then uh, Leon Panetta, but there was another guy that went over as acting. That he was at the White House. Oh my goodness, I can't think of his name. I just. But anyway, if I said his name, Alpha, you would say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." Uh, so, anyway. Um, I, I, I just, I think it's lackluster and I think it's a mistake. I think it's, it's really a mistake for them to walk in the fog and the shadow 
of this thing called bipartisanship because there's no such thing. I mean, how can you how can you have any how can you have any um How can you have any respect? You know, and the other part of it is um, these people are looking for them to have wins, and they need to win under any kind of of. Um, way in which they can. Am I making any sense here? You're right, but you're right. You by all means necessary. You cannot yeah, absolutely you cannot mm-hmm. wait for them to kick and scream that you're playing unfair or anything like that. They're gonna do that regardless of what you do. So who and are they, they trying just, to impress? Who are they trying to impress? I think they're afraid to be called him. Miss Mulvaney, Alpha. It just came to me. It was Mick, Mick Mulvaney. You know who is Mick Mulvaney is, right? He's is the, he, the he was the acting now? before before Voight. What? Is this is this the one over in the Middle East now? In the private life, starting up a new a money fund. Yes. Yes. Okay. No. 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 You're talking about the Secretary of the Treasury, Mnuchin, Mnuchin. and he's another crook. The only reason that he wanted to be the Secretary of the Treasury is to do exactly what he did. He's a greedy, monstrous, vile, evil, greedy, can I say greedy again? Greedy person. Okay. I've talked long enough, Alpha. I'm sorry, but I just had to say no, these things. What? <laughs> talk on. <laughs> I gotta talk tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I am going to be. Um, I have an, another open mic night because in the in the first hour I'm going to be talking on following up on a lot of the ideas that Dr. Taylor gave us. You notice Dr. Taylor didn't take a break last night. No, he didn't. And you notice that at 1030, at 10.30 he said, Miss Graham, I'm going to close right here. And I didn't even get a chance to, to play the close of the show last night. He is so yeah, wonderful. Yeah, but Dennis, even after the show closed, he was still talking Mm-hmm. After you, after the, the after your time ran out and everything, is that is that is that not the first time? Is that not the first time that you have ever known me that I didn't close my show? Nope. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, he talked. He talked and the talked block, and the, talked. You know what happened to me? I was trying to hit the button and hit the button and hit the button, and my side of <coughs> of the studio crashed. 
struck. I couldn't do anything. But it was over anyway. But you know, I have ta- I taught I taught at Northeastern University in Boston and Simmons College and a whole other other places. And I've had like one hour lectures, and I've gone over a whole half an hour, but never two hours. So well, but that's what happens when you. He kept um, talking five minutes. Five minutes after eleven, he's still talking. I just I don't know what he does when he goes on terrestrial radio because they have hard breaks, and I I almost took him into a hard break, but uh, anyway, I was about to take him into a hard close. But he kept saying no good night. Um, I do. You don't. <laughs> you just, you know, you just, you just do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Your executive producer has tried to do something about it, but you just. But, but here's my problem. I think that if Biden doesn't start playing hardball, I wonder how Chris Matthews is. Well, if if Biden doesn't start start playing hard, you know I can't understand how they got rid of Chris Matthews and didn't get rid of Chuck Todd on MSNBC. I don't understand that. But aside from that, Meaty is coming on at eight o'clock on Sunday nights with the serious. I don't know how they chose eight o'clock on on eight o'clock on Saturday night or Sunday night. But anyway, Mehdi Hassani. I yeah. Think that's yeah. Okay. Um, but these people at CPAC today and yesterday, they're not playing. They're making it real clear where they're coming from. And they're coming from, for the Biden-Harris administration. And, and, and it really occurred to me... Um, this morning when I was watering my plants, it really occurred to me that what these Republicans who are following Biden, these complicit traitors, that they really don't understand that it's all personal for Donald Trump. He doesn't hate um, George, what's this guy's name, Joe Biden. He doesn't hate Joe Biden for what Joe Biden stands for. He hates Joe Biden because Joe Biden made him look bad. (laughs) And that's the worst kind of hate. That's the worst kind of hate. And And it's it's just a children Biden don't know this. His children I don't think Biden understands that. Come on, Janice. Come on. I don't. You know, Biden is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Come on, Alpha. You come on. I know you're not sitting around thinking Biden is real smart. Damn smart. I'm talking about 
he uh, ready to stand up. Well, you know that's why they kept um, they kept uh, campaigning around bringing in people who could fix the ship and blah blah blah. Well, it doesn't seem to me that anybody's fixing any ships around here. Um, you know, uh, MBS's father. And and the thing is, he didn't issue a ban on MBS coming into this country. Well, he didn't issue he a ban on Netanyahu either. He should have issued a ban on Netanyahu too. Yeah, but you know that is a, that is a lot more diplomatically tenuous than the king. King, whatever his name is, of uh, Saudi Arabia. Because all we had, yeah, to say, well, all he had to do was he had to stop all sales of arms. He had to call. All he had to do, I, why Saudi Arabia is a center of security in the Mid East for America is beyond me. When I look at a map. <laughs> so anyway, have you? I've been to Saudi. You know, one time I wanted to live there. Did, did I ever tell you Sorry. about that? Sorry. Um, <laughs> when when I I got a job at Raytheon, and then the Saudis wouldn't give me a work permit. So I couldn't take the job. But I went there. So anyway, I just wanted to talk to you because I feel so all alone in all of this. I hate that we're starting out. What we're three weeks out? Yeah, he's been there. He's been in office four weeks. Three Mom. weeks out. I don't see where where is Kristen Clark, and you know Kristen Clark is my girl. Who the um, hell is Kristen she Clark? Was, <laughs> <laughs> she is a she's a new director. She's a new director of the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. What is that you're drinking again? <laughs> Director of the before she was appointed by by Biden, she was the director of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. She knows how to prosecute. And when I was at the Department of Justice, she was a junior attorney before she went out and made her mark in the world. Well, Janet. And then she was there <laughs> under Deval Patrick. So all anyway, hell. don't say all hell about Deval Patrick. No, 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 no. Deval Patrick, you know. And what? He's, he, you know he what? Reminds, he reminds, he reminds, Deval, Deval Patrick is the soft. It's so soft. He's softer than Obama. Well, you know, um, in my neighborhood in Roslyn, Massachusetts, one summer night, 
in the second his second term as a governor of Massachusetts, and it, the in toward the end of the first term, and he was getting ready to run for his second term. I had con- a confused white people's con- uh, conference in on my patio. All the white people in my neighborhood, they came down uh, up the hill because they could, you know, people down the hill could see me in my backyard. And they all wanted to know what to do about Deval Patrick. And at the time, I was very angry at Deval Patrick because, you know, I worked for Deval Patrick. So anyhow... Uh, all these confused white people. I'm talking about maybe about six or seven people, and they, they, I had gotten all of them to vote for Deval, Deval Patrick for governor. All these Republican neighbors, and they, now they had a sense something was wasn't going right, <laughs> and they all ended up in my patio one one summer night. So anyway. Uh, and I always referred to it as the Confused White People's Conference on um, on Hilburn Street. <laughs> <laughs> Alpha, I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> I I love talking to you. I don't know why more people don't call. Where's Where's your boy House Music Lover tonight? Is he on your board? Said, I want to know. He's sitting there. Yeah, he's gonna be calling you at. He's gonna be calling you at two minutes to twelve. And wait a minute. And I think Michelle. I think Michelle waits for your your show and then she falls asleep. Uh, I think so too. I think so too. So, but you know, you know, the thing is that. Nas calls you, house music lover calls you. Don't nobody call me. You know, I'm feeling some kind of way. You don't let nobody talk. You don't let nobody talk. You know, if you don't let me talk, you're gonna let nobody else talk. Well, you let people talk because you have to go to the bathroom. Don't 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 even try it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I use so I use them in a strategic move. <laughs> And what was that you told me you were drinking? What was that you told me you was drinking again? <laughs> oh no. Mm I ain't gonna tell you, you don't no remember? more. You don't remember? I'm not, tell you no, I'm not gonna tell you no more, but I'm sitting here I'm Dang. sitting here. I mean, Dang. things are bad, Alpho. Things are bad. They are not working out and they're not gonna get any better. Don't didn't we learn from the Obama administration when the shit was yeah, left? You huh? the one that told me. You the one that told me Trump was going to win. Okay, and you gave me all kinds of scenarios about. Well, all maybe, the, and maybe, I kept trying to tell you. I Alpha, kept trying to tell you, Alpha. but not much. Trump. You you you, you keep trying to up on me with 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 that. Okay, but you know what? What I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe Trump did win. Oh God! I gotta Let go. Let me tell you what, Trump. I know you gotta what? go. I gotta, I got to get house music. He just put his hand up since y'all was talking about him. 
And uh, I got to get his call, but I want to take a break before I do that. And I'll okay. get right to Howard. Thanks for calling, Janice. Good night, Alpha. Good night, Janice. Oh, my goodness. House, I'll be right with you. I'm coming right with you after this. Thousand men and women of the uh, of the postal service, and they we did uh, usual thing that we do every election, perform extraordinary measures. We delivered 99.7 percent. We have a report out that's on our website. 99.7 percent of, uh, of, of ballots. Uh, within two days, some very, very extremely high numbers. I have it written down someplace here. But everything was in the 99% at ballots to election from voters to uh, uh, election boards uh, were uh, 1.7 days, the average time, of course, 135 million ballots. Let me follow up on the gentleman from Georgia's questions then uh, to the two previous witnesses. Would you say with the near, excuse me, let me quote the gentleman from Georgia, the almost perfect delivery of ballots in the previous election, given that fact, would you say that it was unconscionable that someone would, would dispute and vote to undo the results of that almost perfect delivery of ballots in the previous election? to either of the two previous witnesses. Let me, let me just recount the facts. The gentleman from Georgia voted to undo the elections in two separate states. And so he has just spent about five minutes reminding us, in his own words, that the delivery of ballots was almost perfect by the United States Postal Service in that election that he voted to undo. So I'm asking you uh, whether you, you, the evidence that you have supports that. Any time now. Okay, reclaiming my time. I didn't think so. The thing about Republicans who push the big lie is that when they try to absolve Postmaster General DeJoy and say that the election ballots had a near-perfect return rate, then it really does put on full display the fact that they then turned around and tried to throw those very ballots away. I mean, think about it. This is a hearing in which a Republican is cheering on the fact that more than 99% of mail ballots arrived, clearly suggesting that that is a good thing, and yet that very Republican voted to overturn Biden's win, which was the result of those very ballots whose arrival he's applauding. I'm not saying he's a hypocrite. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. The Republican at the beginning of this clip is Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia, who voted to overturn the November 3rd election results, which would not only nullify the votes of over 35,000 Democratic voters in Clark County, Georgia, but 2.5 million Democratic voters in the state and over 81 million Americans. And beyond that, on January 6th, Heiss urged his supporters to, quote, fight and stated, quote, this is our 1776 moment, hours before thousands of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol building in an attempt to subvert the election. In fact, it was Heiss himself who stood up and objected to the certification of the results while baselessly citing unlawful election changes in Georgia. For what purpose does the gentleman from Georgia rise? Mr. President, myself, members of the Georgia delegation and some 74 
of my Republican colleagues, and I object to the electoral votes from the state of Georgia on the grounds that the election conducted on November 3rd was faulty and fraudulent due to, un, uh, due to unilateral actions by the Secretary of State to unlawfully change the state's election process without approval from the General Assembly and thereby setting the stage for an unprecedented amount of fraud and irregularities, and I have signed the objection myself. Only here's the thing. While Heist tries to claim that any changes made by Secretary of State Raffensperger to the state's election process without approval from the General Assembly was unlawful, that is a straight-up lie. Why? Because this exact issue is already adjudicated. It was heard by a federal judge in a northern Georgia district court where Lynn Wood, one of the sycophant lawyers arguing on behalf of Donald Trump, claimed that the so-called consent decree, which basically allowed Raffensperger to notify people within 24 hours if their ballot was rejected, was an unconstitutional change of election law because the Secretary of State made the decision and not the General Assembly. But a judge ruled on this issue and affirmed the consent decree as legal, stating, quote, recognizing that Secretary Raffensperger is the state's chief election official, the General Assembly enacted legislation permitting him, in his official capacity, to formulate, adopt, and promulgate such rules and regulations, consistent with law, as will be conducive to the fair, legal, and orderly conduct of primaries and elections. The settlement agreement is a manifestation of Secretary Raffensperger's statutorily granted authority. In other words, the entire basis for Representative Heiss's objection had already been litigated and adjudicated. That issue is already put to rest. So he's basically saying here that he knows better than the courts, and that even though this issue is already resolved, he'll still argue that the consent decree was illegal because it didn't fit into his preconceived partisan agenda. These people clearly don't care about the law, because if they did, they'd respect the branch of government whose job is to actually interpret that law. And by the way, just in response to these Republican efforts to rewrite history and paint Louis DeJoy as some kind of hero because more than 99% of election mail was delivered, the only reason that mail was delivered was because a federal judge, Emmett Sullivan of the U.S. District Court for Washington, D.C., ordered the USPS to immediately send postal inspectors to post offices in various cities and states across the country to sweep for any ballots that had yet to be delivered and send them out immediately. Those ballots weren't delivered because of Louis DeJoy, they were delivered in in spite of Louis DeJoy, the ballots that remained at those facilities were there because his changes sent on-time delivery rates plummeting. So no, this wasn't some reflection of Louis DeJoy's impeccable leadership. It was a reflection of a court order to force the USPS to clean up DeJoy's mess. The simple fact is that Louis DeJoy tried to slow down the mail expressly because it was Democrats who were likely to vote using that method. That is why Donald Trump put him in that position, and DeJoy did exactly what was expected of him. And when that didn't work, people like Jody High stepped in and tried to invalidate those same ballots that DeJoy tried to prevent from arriving. Both of these men were complicit in the scheme to deprive tens of millions of Americans from having their voices heard in the last election. And in their otherwise insignificant place in history, this will be their only sorry legacy. Well, and at this point, all of this must be looked into because this was flagrant. This was this was rather obvious. And now there are uh, hundreds of bills being passed in 43 states by Republican-held uh, majorities to make it harder to vote, devoid of any voter fraud, 516-666-9516. Let me go to the phones. 
312-312. Welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. House, is that you? Yes, Alpha, what's going on, man? Not much, man, not much. Now, hey, look, yep. I don't know how many times it's going to take to get it over the head with all of this BS on and making it tougher to vote, passing new laws for voting and to stop fraud when there is no fraud. And these judges must be held accountable. They must be called into question their ability to render a fair ruling according to law. So at some point, these these uh, suits challenging these Republican new laws that are coming in to stop voting have to be challenged. And uh, Merrick Garland is not going to do it. That's why I didn't want him out there. He is not a protector of voting rights. And that's just my take on it. What's yours? So, yeah, I can't disagree with you. Um, I think, um, you know, I think these cats are sitting around and they already figured out what case or what type of case they need to come along to run up the chain to get these laws overturned, overturned that they would like overturned. Um, I don't doubt that for a minute. That's what happened with, you know, Citizens United and countless of other cases. Um, and I think with with uh, uh, Schittler and all those crazy lawsuits he kept taking to court about the voter fraud, those weren't those weren't on the books. Um, those weren't cases that they uh, uh, would want to take to get that outcome that he wanted. Um, and they all ruled correctly. And, you know, so that's why that didn't go anywhere. But you got to believe um, they've already identified uh, what needs to come their way to challenge the things that they want to challenge. So it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, but just be let's let's just be uh be on the lookout for that. Well, I look at it like this, House. I think they're going to wait too long to challenge all of these um, sycophantic voting laws, the new ones that have come about, and uh, they're going to let them. Morph into 2022 And it'll be too late And the Republicans will have Set in the House How How is it that they continue to allow them To Close down early voting Cut it off by an hour Stop vote, uh, souls to the polls voting On Sundays For the black church How is it that they continue to Remove drop boxes. There's been no voter fraud uh, proven. There's been no voter fraud asserted. And yeah, well, yet, if they come again, yeah. Well, you know, all the all the the laws are, are voting laws are done at state levels, and uh, with the the Voting Rights Act, you know, being attacked 
Um, and what was it, Section 5? That was uh, stricken and allowed all these different states to go ahead and um, change or at least petition, petition changes to their voting laws without the, uh, the preclearance. Um, that's what happened. And I just want to heard that they're going after a different section of the Voting Rights Act, one or two. And, you know, Janice being a lawyer, I'm sure she could school us on that a little better. But whichever section it was, it's going to make it even uh, easier or it's going to be even more devastating um, to black folks and black folks. And, you know, make no mistake about it, that that's what they were trying to nullify in 2020 election, black votes and um in urban areas. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna attack. They're going to attack. They're going to attack. That's what they do. Um this story is not this story is man is a uh, dog bites man. This story is not man bites bites dog. Man bites dog would be Democrats going on attack. Um but that's not what this is. This is what they do. And um this is what I was complaining about, you know, basically last week. If um, Joe Biden is is here with both houses of Congress, then I need to see more daily. And um, he doesn't have both houses. He doesn't have both houses. He does not have both houses. The numbers uh, has both houses. The numbers say one thing. Well, he had look at all of the houses he. All of the votes he had when uh, uh, Joe Lieberman was in office, and you had all of the blue dogs. He never had it, and as long as Joe Manchin is there, along with Christian Cinema, the filibuster will never be retired, and Joe Manchin will never go along with a progressive agenda. We will lose the House and the Senate in 22 because we could not produce because Biden and Harris were not pushing their agenda through. Their agenda should go through regardless to a parliamentarian, regardless to anything. They should show that agenda down their throats. And that's the bottom line. I, I agree, but that agenda, that shoving should have started, um, if you're not going to do it the day after, because we didn't get the you know results the day after the election, November 6th, November 7th. Hell, we didn't get the uh, results until after the, the, the riot, the, uh, the insurrection, um, basically. Um, but still, my complaint is I'm not hearing enough. Um, I want more assertiveness, um, you know, and I, I don't want the obfuscating. I don't want the, uh, the paralysis of analysis. You know, I, I want I want to move. I want us to be the aggressor for a change with a clear message um, and a clear path, even if they are mansions and whoever else in the way. And really, even if we only have, um, what is it, a five? See the advantage in the house, whatever, whatever. Even if we well, were in the, the minority, the we still need to move. No, house isn't the, the house problem. Is I'm just the saying problem. the um, 
I'm just saying the margin is slimmer now than it was uh, under Obama. It's slimmer than it was in Trump under Trump. Um, but the House is and I think not that's the problem. It's the Senate. It's the Senate that's the yeah, problem. Uh, well, I, I, and I bring that up also because um, I, I just heard the last end of Janice call, and she mentioned CPAC. And, um, you know, their agenda is clear. They truly believe they're going to take back the House along with the Senate, along with Trump, getting him our presidency back. <clears throat> Excuse me. So knowing their agenda and knowing how aggressive they're going to be and knowing that it has been dwindling for the last two, three elections since Obama, dwindling and dwindling, then um. Shit, they got a shot. Unless Democrats are going to do something different. Well, House, I'm here to tell you like this. They're not going to do anything different. Joe Biden is nothing more than a very laid-back Barack Obama. And that's saying something. Kamala Harris will not step up and tell Joe Biden anything, anything, because she's just vice president. And I'll tell you like this, it, it gets, it's getting to a point where losing the enthusiasm, losing the progressive left will be the downfall, will be the utter entrance of a totalitarian Donald Trump. Well, it won't be Donald Trump because I do believe he'll be indicted by the girl in it in, in Atlanta first, the, the woman AG, and um, she'll be the first to indict him. Uh, Letitia James second, and Vance, Cy Vance will be third. And then maybe Marilyn Garland can, um, Merrick Garland can have at him because um, he's guilty of bank fraud, wire fraud, insurance fraud. He's guilty of all of that with his inflated numbers. That's paper. That's on paper. You can't pull that back and say, oh, I didn't mean that. That wasn't my mindset. That's on paper. That's what they got Manafort for. And he, there's nothing you can do about what's on paper. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, and I'm hoping for it <clears throat> sooner than later. Um, you know, I, I love the, to to see a perp walk even, but I doubt if you're going to get that. <laughs> but I love to see uh, Southern District of New York run down to Mar Largo. And pull his ass out And um, load him up in a, a, a Palm Beach County State Trooper car And <laughs> run him to Palm Beach Airport And put him on a oh, You got, to put, him, you got to put him in a van You got to put him in a van With no air conditioning And about six other inmates <laughs> Well I told you uh, The county lockup Is on It's called Gun Club Road which is right across the entrance, the street from the entrance to Trump. I think it's Trump International. 
one of his uh, golf courses and resorts or whatever. It's it's literally right across the street. So yeah, okay, let's let's take him over to the. Uh, let's arrest him on a Friday night, <clears throat> so or Saturday. So he'll uh, spend all day Saturday and Saturday night in jail, and Sunday morning he'll have his uh, his uh, his uh, hearing. Actually, no, he'd uh, he'd have to be arrested Friday to get a Saturday morning hearing. We didn't do Sunday. <laughs> um, I did an internship for my uh, little paralegal thing over there. I got to hear the first, uh, yeah, the bond hearings and stuff on the weekends. Um, so yeah, in that way he can go all the way to the top of the tower, and he can look north out the little barred windows and look at his golf resort because it's literally right across the street. So, yeah, I'd love to see all that. I'd love that to be the case. Um, or somebody. Somebody do something. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, the I'm not, I'm just not getting it right now. I'm not feeling it. I'm, um, even with uh, uh, the release of the, 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 um, the Saudi prince's uh, involvement in, um, in that killing, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. It, you all could do a lot more of that. And um, expose the, the crookedness um, of the Trump administration and all the stuff that they tried to bury on a daily basis. You could put one of those things out a week, <laughs> if not one every day as a week. Um, yeah, that, that that's cool. But give me some policy. Uh, what are we going to change? Where are we going to see systemic change in helping folks that need the help and rewriting this, re, rewriting this shit? Um, you know, that's what I'm looking for, hoping for, waiting for. And uh, I guess when I start to see it, I'll give a holler, but, you know, I can't holler right now because it ain't happening. Uh, you know the saying, if he hollers, let him go. House. <laughs> I'm oh, wait, wait, wait. Call, man. <laughs> go ahead. Wait, wait. Go I got ahead. one more thing. I, I, had, I had homework. I did my homework. Remember, I had homework for you last week. I told you I gave myself homework about the uh, appointments to uh, cabinet Trump versus uh, Biden. Right. And um, the majority of Trump's cabinet, he picked November, early December. There were about three or four. He did um, late, um, late December or early January. Um. And then you had the uh, the actual uh, hearing dates. But most of the hearing dates took place in January, early February. Uh, the the uh, Senate committee vote dates, January, February. Um, and the uh, confirmations were basically February. But, um, of course, the difference between this year and that year, this administration, that administration, is the insurrection on January 6th and hold up of the vote because of all the Trump lawsuits and all that. So that got backed up and everything else subsequently is going to get backed up. However, it still made it that much more imperative when you have your go date, even if your go date is an inauguration day, then that's the day you unload with you, this who gets, uh, I'm pointing to this job or I want for this job, that job, or the other job. And you put those acts, those processes in action to get them where you need them to be. And if you needed to put the impeachment 
send an impeachment trial back because you couldn't bring them back in time to start it before your inauguration, then you swallow that pill and you get your business done. Get the business done and let's go. Well, homework assignment complete. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alpha. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for your call. I'll see you next week. Always. I'll I'll see you again tomorrow, too. All right, then. I want to thank House, Music Lover. I want to thank Janice. And I want to thank Nas for their calls. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. This has been another exciting episode of the Alpha Show. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, the Alpha Show. Join us next Wednesday, 10 p.m. That's where we are. And that's why it's almost the bewitching hour. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. The time is of no return. It's almost the time when we won't be able to recover because recovery simply will not be in the cards for us. We cannot, I repeat, we cannot continue down this road because this road is headed for the ultimate dead end. about appreciating what you have.
Please.